Take your Bibles to Psalm chapter number 78. Psalm chapter number 78, where we'll be at this morning. Uh, starting things off, our theme this year is to know God and to make Him known. And uh, I don't believe, I know I've said this over and over again, but I don't believe somebody can make God known if you don't know Him yourself. And uh, you need to learn to know God. Uh, if you're not saved in this room, listen, He desires for you to be saved, and I'm not going to get ahead of myself right now. Well, of course, we're going to mention that in the message. But I want to encourage you to know God. You know, He desires uh, us. He desires a relationship with us. And what a joy it is. I would invite you to stand with me if you're physically able to, just out of respect for the Word of God. Psalm 78. Psalm 78. And verse number 19 is where we'll get our text verse. I'm going to go back and recap some of this as we begin the message just in the introduction. But I'm going to give you our text verse, give you the title of the message. We'll pray and allow you to be seated. But in Psalm 78 and verse number 19, it says, Yea, they spake against God. They said, Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? I'm going to preach a message to you this morning entitled, Can God? Can God. Let's pray, Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for the day that you've given to us. Thank you for the opportunity we have to be in your house. Lord, I ask you please to use me as your mouthpiece this morning. Lord, hide me behind the cross. Fill me with your spirit. Lord, if there's any wicked way in us, I pray that we'll get those right. Lord, if there's anything in my heart that would hinder your message, Lord, I pray that you'll remove that this morning. Lord, please. And uh, Lord, may your word uh, go across as you want it to and uh, that it will speak to hearts this morning. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, for the love that you have for us. Thank you for being a wonderful God. Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. I'm going to go back and read some of these verses, but God was good uh, to his people, the nation of Israel. Uh, we finished uh, last Sunday, we had finished our journey through Joshua and talked about how God had really just done some great things um, in the nation of Israel. God had done so much stuff, and all throughout the Bible, you just see the goodness of God. Uh, no matter where we look at it, we just see God's goodness. And I want to uh, talk to you a little bit about God this morning. But in this passage of Scripture, I'm going to start reading back in verse number 1. We're going to read down. I'm going to read down through verse number 21. But I want you just to follow along with me. Uh, we're going to give some introduction, and then we will preach the message and try to be, uh, we will try to be mindful of the time. I know we had a big... Uh, preliminary, and I thank you for your uh, attentiveness in that. Starting in verse number 1 of Psalm 78, it says, Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord. And his strength and his wonderful works that he had done. That's what we've been doing in Master Clubs, you know, telling the children about what the Lord does uh, for them. Verse 5, for he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. Listen, Satan doesn't want our children to know about God. Because if they know about God and they see the goodness of God, there's a chance they'll put their hope in God. And that's what Satan doesn't want. 
But it says that in verse 6 that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare to their children. See, keep passing it down. That's what we're supposed to be doing. It said that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Verse 8, and might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that has uh, that set not their heart aright, and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. The children of Ephraim, being armed and carrying bows, turned back in the day of battle. They kept not the covenant of God, and refused to walk in his law, and forgot his works and his wonders that he had showed them marvelous things did he in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt and in the field of Zoan. He divided the sea and caused them to pass uh, through. He made the waters to stand as in heap. In the daytime also he led them with a cloud and uh, all the night with a light of fire. And he clave, uh, he clave rocks in the wilderness and gave them to drink out of uh, the great depths. He brought streams also out of the rock and cursed the waters to run down uh, like the rock. And they sinned yet the more against him by provoking the Most High in the wilderness. And they tempted God in their heart by asking meat for their lust. Yea, they spake against God. They said, Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Behold, he smote the rock that the waters gushed out and the streams overflowed. Can he give, also, give bread also? Can he provide flesh for his people? Therefore the Lord heard this and was wroth. So a fire was kindled against Jacob and anger came up against Israel. Verse 22, look, because they believed not in God and trusted not in his salvation. I was reading through this passage of scripture this week again and I'm going over this and I thought, man, what wonderful things God did for the nation of Israel. What wonderful things God had done for his people. They, uh, the psalmist here is reminding us of what God had done throughout the nation of Israel. All of his protection, all of his provision, Everything that God had done. But in verse number 19, we come across a phrase. It says this, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? And then in verse 20, it says, can he give bread also? Can he provide flesh for his people? See, by asking this, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? And then in verse 20, uh, there where he says, can he give bread also? And uh, can he provide flesh for his people? They were not asking uh, permission of God in this. They were questioning the ability of God to provide for them. Now, how foolish is this? How foolish is this for somebody to say, can God do this for us? Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Can God provide for us? Can God give us bread? Can God meet our needs? Can God do all of this stuff? They were asking this question and they were saying, can God? And I'm here to tell you, God can. God can. And as I was going through this, he was talking about the, God's goodness through the difficult times in the nation of Israel and uh, he was letting the generations know of God's power and goodness. And listen, we ought to let the next generation know about how God's been to us and how good God has been and that they might put their hope in God. And, uh, but as I picture this, it said, but they provoked God. It was talking about all of that, how they uh, tempted God in their hearts and all of that. It said, and they sinned yet the more. 
And I thought, oh my goodness, after everything God has done, they, they just continued to sin and they even went deeper into sin after everything God had done, after all the way he brought them out of bondage, after everything he did, and then they questioned God's ability. They questioned, is God able to provide for me? Is God able to meet my need? After they saw the waters parted and they walked across on dry land. After they smote the rock and water came out. After they spoke to the rock and water came out. After he gave them a quail instead of just the regular manna. After he did all of these things, they're still questioning God's ability. And I thought, my goodness, look at the nation of Israel. And then it went to my mind and heart and said, well, that's how the nation of America is today. That's how the church of God is today. We've seen God do some wonderful things. We've seen God do some miracles that are beyond our human comprehension. But we still have the audacity to ask the question, can God do this for me? We go to prayer with little bits of faith, not even thinking that God can do what we're asking God to do. And we're going to talk about uh, some of the things that, that uh, we might ask the question, that people even ask this question about, can God do this? And we're going to give some scripture behind what God says he can do. But listen, I'm glad for a God that can do anything. That he can take that which is broken and put it back together again. I'm glad for a God that can do that. Firstly, I want to say their uh, question is asked, can God produce something out of nothing? Can God produce something out of nothing? I want you to take your Bibles, go back to Genesis chapter number 1. Genesis chapter number 1. I'm not going to read all of this for sake of time, but if you get time later, go back and read from all of starting in Genesis 1. Most people read it, and uh, because you've been familiar with it, you just skim through it. But I want you to remember what God has done uh, through all of this. It says, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light. And there was light. Now, wait a second. That meant the light... It said, let there be light, and there was light. God said that. Look what it said. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. And let, let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And all through here we read, and God said, and there was, and God said, and there was, and God said, and there was. All the way down to chapter 2 and verse number 7, it said, uh, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. All the way down through all of creation, everything that we know that was not in existence, God spoke it into existence because God is a God that can produce something out of nothing. He is the creator of everything. God is the one that created the sun, moon, and stars. God is the one that created the earth and uh, everything, every animal that we can think of. I look at some of the animals, I think, man, what an imagination God must have had. Look at that animal. And then I see people and I think, man, what an imagination uh, God must have had, you know? Especially when I look in the mirror, I think, my goodness, what an imagination the Lord had, you know? All of these things that are so perfect in God's creation that God spoke and he made them out of nothing why because he's God God is the creator of everything I'm here to tell you today we did not come from monkeys 
We didn't evolve over millions and millions and millions of years. God spoke and bang, it happened. That's the Big Bang Theory. God spoke and bang, it happened. Why? Because He's God. God is a God that can produce something out of nothing. You say, well, how do you know this? Well, there was a day in my life where I realized I was a sinner. Deserving of hell. I was a nothing. A nobody. And there was a day that the Holy Spirit drew me into Himself. I realized my need of salvation. Trusted Jesus as my Savior. And old things were passed away on that day. All things were become new. He made something out of nothing. A life that was doomed and destined for hell. He made to go to heaven. What a blessing. He can produce something out of nothing. Then I was asked this question. Can God provide salvation to all? Can God provide salvation to all? Hebrews 10.10. You don't have to turn there. I'm going to go through a lot of verses. If you want to write them down. I didn't put them all in the bulletin. Because it would have filled up the whole bulletin today. But I'm going to read some verses for you. And you can follow along in your heart and in your mind. But go Hebrews 10.10. It said by the which will we be all... By the which will we all sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Matthew 10, 32. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. John three fifteen says that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world, verse 16, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 4 and verse 13, Jesus answered and said unto her, whosoever drinketh of this water shall, ne- shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water I shall give shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. John twelve forty six. I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. Acts chapter 2 verse 21. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Acts ten forty three. To him that uh, to him gave all the prophets witness that through his name whosoever believeth in him shall receive the remission of sin. Romans ten thirteen. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Titus two eleven. For the grace of God which bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. Second Peter three nine. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but as long suffering to us were not willing that that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In 1 John 4, verse 15, Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. I'm here to tell you, God uh, can provide salvation to all. It's a whosoever will gospel. There's not just a group of people that God chose way before the foundation of the world that said, okay, only you can be saved and the rest of you are doomed and destined for hell. It's a whosoever will gospel. He said, him that cometh to me, I'll in no wise cast him out. There's not an age limit on what God, who God can save. When somebody understands that they're a sinner for all of sin and come short of the glory of God, when they understand that their sin had a penalty, that they could not pay the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our 
Lord when they realized they're lost. They realized their sin had a penalty. They realized that in God's love, but God commanded his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When they remember that truth, that Jesus Christ was that payment for our sin. That when he died on the cross, he was paying that debt that you and I deserved. When they realized those things, and they realized that not only was he, did he die, but that he was buried, took our hell for us, rose again, conquering death and hell, offering life. When they believed those things, and they put their faith and trust, and asked him to be their savior, he said that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Listen, people understand those facts at different ages in their life, but the fact of the matter is, it's a whosoever will gospel. Any Muslim who comes to God can be saved. Any person, any denomination, no matter what they are, if they come by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, in the finished work, it's a whosoever will salvation. Can God produce something out of nothing? Yes, He can. Can God provide salvation to all? Yes, He can. I love that little word, all. All means all. And that's all that all will ever mean. It's everybody. It doesn't matter how much uh, wickedness you think you may have done. Listen, God's blood can reach down and cover any sin that you've ever sinned. You don't have to wait to get good enough. You don't have to wait to get this sin out of your life or that sin out of your life because we are incapable of righteousness without the one who is righteous living inside of us. And the only way that we ever get beyond sin in our life sometimes is when we have the one who is righteous living inside of us. You cannot overcome the wicked one without the one who is the overcomer living inside of you. And you've got to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. The nation of Israel was asking, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Can God give us bread? Can God do all, even after everything that they saw, after everything they had watched God do, they still asked the question, can God? Can God? After I look out and I see God's creation and I get an opportunity to just see the wonderful, wonderful, magnificent uh, portraits that God paints in the sky at night sometimes. We were talking to somebody about that last night looking at the, uh, the sunset and we watched the, the different colors in the sky and we said, man, what an artist God is. Listen, just spoke all of that into existence. What a God he is. I got to go out, and man, I was feeling good yesterday. I got to go out, and we got to hang some tree stands, and I'm getting in that fever for hunting season. And I got to thinking about, you know what, what an awesome opportunity we have just to watch God's creation. He spoke it all into existence. He produced something out of nothing. And then because of salvation, he took my, my sin and my wickedness upon himself, and by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, he made what was broken and dirty, made it whole and clean. Through his blood. And what a God he is. I'm here to tell you God can produce something out of nothing. God can take a life which is broken and on its way to hell. And make it new again through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. You say well preacher you don't understand all the wickedness I've done. You're right but he went to the cross and paid for all of it. When he died on an old rugged tree, he said it is finished and it still is finished today. You don't have, he doesn't have to die over and over and over and over again. It said he died once for all and that blood was atonement for all of mankind, for all of eternity. All they're going to have to do is put their faith and trust in what Jesus Christ has already done. And he said, you shall be saved. I'm glad for salvation today. Can God produce something out of nothing? Can God provide salvation to all? 
Can God, third question, permanently keep us? Can God permanently keep us? There's people that say, well, you can lose your salvation. Listen, you can lose things that you gain for yourself. But you can't lose something that you never got for yourself. You say, what do you mean by that? You couldn't work your way to heaven. You couldn't earn the right to enter heaven only because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ and his payment which uh, is put on the mercy seat in heaven. Does God even look at our sin-filled life and say justified? And because of what Jesus has done, he's the one that keeps us. And Jesus has never lost anything. In John 10 verse 28, he said, And I gave unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man can pluck them out of my Father's hand. I know these, li- these verses might be a little difficult, but the word eternal means forever. It's what it means. It means forever. He said, and I give unto them eternal life. And listen, you know what the word never means? Never. And they shall never perish. See, that, that perishing that, we, that happens because of sin... When the blood of Jesus Christ is applied and we have uh, Jesus' blood has washed away our sins in the eyes of God, He said that He permanently keeps us. It's eternal life. If that verse isn't good enough, Romans 5.21, that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Hebrews 9 and verse 12, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us, First John 1, 2, For the life was manifest, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. First John 2, 25, And this is the promise that He had promised us, even eternal life. Now let me ask you a question. If God goes back on His promise, is He God? If God goes back on His promise, then He Himself becomes a sinner, then He Himself cannot pay for the sin of all humanity. Because He had sinful blood, if that verse right there is untrue. But look what it said. And this is the promise that He had promised unto us, even eternal life. It's forever. It's forever. 1 John 5, 11, and this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. 1 John 5, 13, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. 1 John 5, 20, and we know that the Son of God has come and hath given us an understanding that we may know Him that is true, and we are in Him that is true, even as His Son Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. John 3, 36, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. You say, how does somebody go to hell? They don't believe in Jesus Christ. How does somebody go to heaven? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And how long is that for? It's forever. He didn't have to die over and over and over again. Once we become His child, we're His child for all eternity. Now listen, can our fellowship with God be broken? Absolutely it can. But our relationship with God remains the same. 
because we've been part of his family. John 4, 14, But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him uh, shall be uh, in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. John 5, 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. John 6, 47, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me hath everlasting life. You understand, if you lose your salvation after you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, then what the Bible is saying is not true. So you say, well, preacher, I just don't believe that, uh, that I can continue to sin when I get saved. Why not? You never lost a flesh nature when you got saved. You gained a spirit nature when you got saved. The war's still there. That's why the Apostle Paul said the things I shouldn't do, I do. Why? Because I still battle with the flesh. But you're still part of God's family if you by faith have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. And listen, we heard this in Sunday school this morning, this phrase. Listen, not everybody is God's child. Everybody's God's creation. But not everybody's God's child. There's people who say, well, we're all God's children. No, we're not. The only people that are God's children are the ones that put their faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ by faith, believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, and He saved them and adopted them into His family, and we are part of His purchased price. 1 Timothy 1.16 Howbeit for this cause I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should not hereafter believe on Him to life everlasting. Hebrews 13 and verse 20. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant. You say, preacher, why'd you read all these verses? Because I want you to understand you don't just take one verse of scripture and try to apply it to what you want. You compare scripture with scripture and understand that it all ties together. And I'm here today to tell you God can produce something out of nothing. God can provide salvation for all and God does and can permanently keep us. What a God we have. What a God we have. But lastly this morning, can God properly equip his soldiers for battle. Can God properly equip his soldiers for battle? In Ephesians 6 and verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You understand Satan wants to destroy Faith Baptist Church. Satan wants to destroy every born-again believer. He wants to do everything he can to slow down the momentum of Christianity. And he's done a very, very, very good job of it. Done a very good job of it. Because we care more about what the person next to us thinks than what our holy God thinks. We care more about what our Facebook friends say than what uh, the Bible says. We care more about what everybody around us uh, thinks about us than we do about what God thinks about us. But those people around you aren't the ones that died on an old rugged tree for you. Those people aren't the ones that shed their blood for you. They're not the ones that, that, that took your sins upon themselves. They're not the one that bore all your griefs and carried your sorrows. But the one that you put your faith and trust in on that day of your salvation, he's the one that you ought to care about what he thinks. And he properly equips us. He gives us everything that's needed. We have the Word of God. It said, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So what he's saying in that is if we don't put on the armor of God, we're no match for Satan. We're no match for him. Verse 13, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God. 
that she may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Listen, God wants us to be able to stand up in this day and age in which we live in. We need a generation of people that are just going to stand for God. Listen, if you don't stand for anything, you'll fall for everything. If there's nothing you stand for, you're going to fall for every wind of doctrine that comes around. But you need to take a stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. And He's given us everything we need. Every tool that you and I need to stand in this day and age. The rock on which we stand is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to stand upon Him. In Psalm 19, verse number 7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More more to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned. And in keeping them there is great reward. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Listen, God will give you exactly what you need, and you need to trust in it. He said in Psalm 19, he's talking about what the Bible does. He said, the law of the Lord's perfect. It converts the soul. You understand, without the word of God being preached and penetrating our hearts, we don't understand what faith is, and we don't understand what, what sin is, and we don't understand uh, the truth that Jesus Christ came to seek and to save that which is lost. We need to have the word of God. Why? Because it converts the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. That means it's something we're standing on. It brings wisdom to the simple-minded. It helps us who are wandering in our mind, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. We need to get back to the Bible. Why? Because it makes sure our mind. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. It said the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Listen, if you want to be able to see what Satan's doing, you want to be able to be properly equipped for battle, God's done it all already. He's given everything you and I need to fight this spiritual battle that we're fighting. And the reason that we're going down by the thousands in today and God's soldiers are falling by the wayside, I'm telling you why, is because they're not putting on the whole armor of God. They're not putting on the armor of God. And listen, we need today just a purpose in ourselves like Daniel did in that day when they came in and they, they besieged his country, brought him from Jerusalem to Babylon, put a new name, a, a new life, a new, uh, new language. He had to learn all of these things. It said, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat. You know why? Because he said, God's given me everything I need to take a stand. And if I die physically, so be it. Why? Because I'm just going to serve God with my life. See, listen, God is worthy of our service. If the nation of Israel uh, remembered back as the psalmist was writing to, to the, in this passage to them saying, listen, remember everything that God had done. It said, but through it all, they sinned yet the more. And they still question God's ability. Listen, if you're in this room today and you're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, which, by the way, if you think you're saved any other way, you're lost and on your way to hell and you trust Jesus as your Savior because the only way you can go to heaven is through what Jesus Christ has done. But if you're in this room today, you experienced the greatest miracle that could have ever happened. He took a sinner deserving of hell. His blood was applied to their life and put a new song in their heart, even praising to their God, give them a different direction. Listen, he's worthy 
of our service. If God can do that for us, why do we question His ability to provide for us? Why do we have a lack of faith to uh, trust Him to meet our needs? It boggles my mind how people can trust God to save them from the charred walls of hell, but we can't expect God to meet our needs. The nation of Israel saw God protect them over and over and over and over again, but yet still questioned, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Listen, I don't know what problems you're going through today, but I gave you all this just to help you understand God can. God can. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. God is able to do anything that we by faith believe Him to do. And I believe God can turn our nation back around again today if God's people will just do what they're supposed to do. I believe God can make your little problem. You say, it's not a little problem, it's a big problem. Oh, to Him it's a little problem. In our eyes, it's a big problem. But in God's eyes, it's nothing. Why? Because even the faith, the grain of a mustard seed can move mountains. What a God we have. So why are we questioning Him? Why are we asking God, God, can you really meet my need? Can you really provide for me? God, can you really do all of this stuff for me? Can you really heal me? Can you really take all of this? Yes, God can. Yes, God can. That's the God that we serve. That's the God that you need to know is the one who can produce something out of nothing or make something out of nothing. A God that can provide salvation to all. A God that can permanently keep us. A God that can properly equip us for battle is a God that can do anything. And we just need to put our faith and trust in Him. Listen, if you're here and you're saved and you've already exercised that faith for salvation, why don't you exercise the same faith in your service? Just trust me. You know what he says? I will never leave you nor forsake you. He says, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. We ask the question, God, can you? God, can you really meet this need for me? Yes, God can. Yes, God can. God can make water come in a desert. God can make a rock bring forth water. God can bring manna from heaven. We just need to trust Him. We just need to trust Him. With heads bowed, eyes closed today.